0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism podcast where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts Amanda DeLuca and KDMD and today we are so excited to bring you um, an amazing mama and one of our favorite bloggers Tabitha Cabrera from Peace of Autism. So welcome Tabitha and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So Tabitha, can you talk to me a little bit about what the journey to diagnosis looked like for you and when that was and kind of
1: how your journey has evolved since then? Yeah, so our son Nixon is four and a half years old. Um, he was formally medically diagnosed in January of this year, 2020. Um, he got an at-risk diagnosis in November of 2019 and it was kind of a long process um, to get him diagnosed. We had a three different separate appointments um, prior to his diagnosis and um, we had services before that time but um, now he is in a full-time ABA program and um, doing really well. And then we have a daughter also who is, um, she's going to be two this month and she has recently started with early intervention services um, for a speech delay.
0: So you got your ass at risk diagnosis in November of 2019, who, um, who did that and what did that process look like? Because here we just um, receive a diagnosis, not an at risk.
1: Yeah so um, the first appointment he had was with a developmental pediatrician and they do um, kind of the can't, can't checklist is what I call it, um, mm-hmm. what he, what he can't do developmentally um, and met with him and us and um, the developmental pediatrician was actually the one that gave him the at-risk diagnosis at that point. Um, it was probably about an hour and a half long appointment and then... Um, We had a second appointment with a psychologist who did an evaluation on on him as well as IQ test Um, and it's kind of like a play based assessment. And then the third appointment in January was follow up with a developmental pediatrician. So she gave us the results of his um, evaluation with the psychologist and then um, gave him his formal um, autism diagnosis which we were not prepared for (laughs) we didn't know that was actually that that appointment they were going to tell us that um so my husband wasn't actually with me at that appointment my sister luckily came with me to that appointment but um it was kind of a surprise to us that he was getting his formal diagnosis at that time
0: Uh, my husband didn't come to our diagnosis appointment either Um, we anticipated a speech apraxia diagnosis. So I told him to go ahead and go to work, that he didn't need to come with me. And I um, was not ready either. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Not prepared. <laughs> no.
0: Um, so I- when you received your at-risk um, diagnosis in November, did that open up services for you? Was that enough for insurance to cover therapies or was that just sort of a waiting period?
1: It was, it did. It. Um, so the process in Arizona is We have two um, different services that you can apply for. There's DDD, which is developmental services through the state. Um, And we had already submitted an application to them at that point based on his, he was getting speech therapy and we had a school evaluation as well to get him into developmental preschool prior to his um, diagnosis. So that was separate from his medical diagnosis. Um, So we submitted that documentation to them and then there's a second application that you have to fill out, which is Arizona Long-Term Care. And they do an interview with you and you can submit any documentation that you have, which of course, you know, I'm crazy with the form. So I submitted everything that we had as far as his records went. And then um, at that point, you get approved for insurance um, coverage through the state. So we have private insurance as well, his, his um, insurance through DDD services so he got um his speech and his ot we were we were paying for speech out of pocket fighting with insurance to get him speech services prior to his diagnosis but once he got his diagnosis um we kind of it helped us with the actual payment of his services um
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: um did you have to fill out the
0: mountain of paperwork for the um, like the pre-diagnosis or the at-risk diagnosis and the diagnosis? Because I remember staring at that mountain of paperwork. I was pregnant with my youngest, and I thought I am never going to make it through all of these checklists and evaluations and um, submit this huge packet of information. I hope I only have to do this one time.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh my. God. It's so much, and it's so um, emotionally taxing Mm -hmm. on, you know, going through those checklists. We had all all of those forms we had to fill out prior to our developmental pediatrician appointment, and then we also had to fill them out for the school. So kind of two sets of different checklists for each evaluation that he had. Um, But the process with a developmental pediatrician was just one packet of um, forms and then they had us fill out a little packet for his psychologist appointment, but mainly it was verbal questions during that appointment. Um, So it was a mountain of documents for sure. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. So you received your formal diagnosis in January, and then here in Ohio, our world shut down in March. Um, Our in-person services stopped in March. What did that look like for you guys in your state?
1: So Arizona was similar. Um, Nixon was in developmental preschool half a day, and then he had OT and speech through a private agency in home outside of his um, developmental pediatrician appointment, and all of that stopped. So we had... um, his developmental preschool went um, you know, telehealth or teleschool. Right. And which was terrible. Uh did not help us in any way, shape, or form. They tried. I think they were doing their best. Um, but for him, you know, our son Nixon and most of our kiddos on the spectrum have um they need a routine and he loved going to school. He loved riding the bus. He loved um, his friends there. He was doing really, really, really good in that program. And so, anytime anything stops for Nixon, um, we've noticed there's kind of a delay. So, he has two weeks where he kind of goes with the flow and, you know, takes things as they come. And then, once he realizes that it's a permanent change, that's when we start to have. Um, some issues with behaviors and stress and seeing some of um, his uh, pro- problems that he has come back. So luckily our our, our um, services, his speech and OT, I would say maybe about a month and a half into our shutdown, um, they opened up services in clinic. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it being home, we had to drive him to the clinic. I would drop him off at the door then I would wait in my car in the parking lot and then I would go and pick him up, um, you know, for precautions. But it helped a lot getting that back. Um, even though it was just two hours a week, it made a huge difference for him. Um, and then we kind of were waiting out to see what was going to happen with the public school system. And it looked like things were going to continue to be online and so at that point we decided we need something more for him Um, he needs more services and we started um, calling around to get an aba um, evaluation Mm -hmm. so we set up aba evaluation in home through an agency that would come in home as well as in clinic um, to see who could get us in the fastest and we ended up Um, getting him into an amazing in-clinic program here in Arizona, which he's been in, I want to say it's been about maybe three months-ish, and it's going great. That's good.
0: Yeah. Um, I know ABA is controversial um, for people, and um, I've seen both ends of um, ABA therapy very um, rigid and clinical, but I've also seen some amazing play-based programs um, and we went with a play-based program in our home with Jackson. And um, it is money I will never regret spending. It is services that have changed his life.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. Our His program that he's in is small classrooms. They pair them up with kids with their same skill set and struggles. And so they're working on common goals as a class. And he's made... Um, some adorable friends he calls them the dinosaur club <laughs> and so um, you know two little friends in his class who also likes, like dinosaurs um, which is his passion right now and you know it's it, his speech has exploded his um, safety skills have been incredible um, he is worn out I would say you know I think it is challenging for him at his age um, I was concerned about a full full day program for him just because he had never really been in a full day program before. Um, but he needs it. He needs something to challenge him and and burn his energy. and it's incredible. So yeah. for us, it's it's been really, really, really great. And I think that's true. That's important to find a program that matches your family you know, find something that works for you. And if you, if it doesn't work for you, you're not tied to it. Right. You know, you don't have to stay in, in that kind of program. So,
0: so Tabitha, you, um, are a working mama and you balance, uh, being a working mama and a blogger and a special needs mom. And, um, I also work outside of our home. So, What advice do you have for other working moms who are, um, you know, handed a diagnosis and trying to figure out how am I going to do this? How can I be everything that everyone needs, um, all the time?
1: So for me, I think I want to say when we were going through the process, I was kind of in a blur stage. You know, I was riding the emotions a lot and which is challenging when you're trying to also work outside of the home and for any mom, if you are working or not working. Um, But for me, it took me a while to realize that it's okay to take a minute and not try and get everything done. You know, I think, and I know you, And me are similar in this way we like our lists and we like our calendars and we like to be organized and um, sometimes it can feel like almost too much to organize and put on a calendar because you're also trying to deal with the emotions of everything so I would say give yourself some grace for sure You know, you can be successful at working and being a special needs mom, but it might take you a time to figure out how to navigate that in your life. I had to learn um, to be comfortable setting boundaries.
0: It was okay to say no to some things. It was okay to make myself unavailable um, for work things sometimes and learning to set boundaries helped me balance. Uh, time with Jackson and time that needed to be dedicated to
1: work. Yes, I agree with that one thousand percent. So for me um, I'm an attorney in Arizona and When we were going through Nixon's evaluation and getting him diagnosed um, I was in litigation and so I did trial work and I had a heavy caseload um, and I, I had to navigate into a position that was a little more flexible as far as taking work home and working on the weekends and um, now I do um, criminal defense in what we call prelims which is basically the first stop on a criminal case um, which allowed me the freedom to kind of have less outside of work hours work so I did have to shift and navigate and I still find it challenging especially with services that are you know, you have to set up during working hours, evaluations, follow-ups, all of those appointments um, can be very challenging to fit into a a work week. Um, So I think being flexible too is definitely something that you have to learn over time that you can say no. And if a time for an evaluation, if you need that evaluation right away to get services, then sometimes you just have to make it work you know right most of us do I think um Uh,
0: and I think balancing um work life and special needs mom life um I I was really in a groove and then a pandemic yes and then and then Jackson was home and I was home and my husband was home and trying to find that new balance was really hard because everything was kind of overlapping because there were you know zooms for therapy and packets coming home from school and zooms for me to still teach dance class and um, no no one was doing 100% of you know their best 100% of the time in a pandemic so i don't want people to listen to this and think you know oh no i was not 100% my best self either
1: <laughs> in the spring that's for sure and i think to some of the challenges that people outside of our world might not um, understand is that, like, for me, I have to be present at court in the position I'm in right now. But my son can't go to, I can't just find a daycare for him to go to. You know, you can't, we can't just find places. There has to be people who can navigate our children. And it's not like figuring out the same thing as anyone who has a neurotypical child that they can find a daycare for once the school's closed, if daycare is even available to them, you know? So I think for sure I was not my best self either. (laughs) No, I mean, Monroe,
0: um, I could drop her off anywhere and she would make a friend and she would make sure that her needs were met and she would, um, advocate for herself for a snack if she wanted one or a movie that she wanted to watch. And, um, I would never have to worry about her. Jackson is a whole different ballgame because he um, is a flight risk and he um, does have meltdowns when his needs aren't being met because he can't find the words or um, that he might have to share or that there aren't, you know, four red trains. There's only one red train. So like you said, it has to be a trained staff. who understand and can give him the one-on-one attention that he requires where Monroe can blend into a group and thrive. Right, right. And expecting a one-to-one in a daycare setting is not realistic. I I know that. I understand that. Um, So him at home was the only option, even if daycares were open. I think Mm -hmm. that's
1: like something that was so hard for us Um, in our family. My husband works too. And he works from home, but he has, um, you know, meetings and it's not like he can, um, watch our young children and work at the same time from home, you know? So we did have a time frame where we were like, what are we going to do? This is incredibly hard. I don't know how we can even manage this. Um, you know, I think one thing for anyone, but especially for people who are working moms is, um, just being able to voice that you are, sometimes it is too much and you need to have a a sounding board to kind of talk out how you're going to make everything work and Mm -hmm. have people give you tips on how to do that.
0: And my husband and I were talking to each other, but we were not listening to each other Mm. um, saying, what do you need and how can I help you? Um, Saying it is one thing, really trying to sit down and problem solve and make a schedule is a whole nother. And it took us a while
1: to find that. Yeah. I agree with that thousand percent because you're navigating so much um, in this, these systems and our, and not only that, but the changes for our kids navigating that um, is so much. But if you have a good partner or support system, if you have family, if you have even close friends that you can just ask what do you think about this? You know, do you think this would actually work or, you know, do you have any suggestions for something else we can be doing? Um, is so helpful.
0: I agree. So Tabitha, looking at Nixon in January and looking at Nixon now near the end, it's been almost a full year. Um, can you just talk about what early intervention and what therapies and, um, the diagnosis have actually meant for him and his progress in that time yeah
1: so f- Nixon it's not like night and day for him and I think there's a variety of reasons why um essentially when he got his diagnosis he was pretty much nonverbal at that time um And over the past year, his language has exploded. Which, you know, communication isn't always verbal language. But we didn't realize prior to this how much he was struggling to communicate with us. And how much we were struggling to communicate with him. Um, You know, the fact that he has language now has dramatically reduced the frustration. It's um, helped him express himself, you know, his he's always had kind of like a funny little sweet personality, but it's now he makes jokes and you know, he likes to um, play with us in a funny way. Um, so he has he has the dinosaur club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like a a lovely, beautiful free spirit. Um, we call him our little mm-hmm. granola boy. He has long hair. He likes. He basically is a self-proclaimed vegetarian. He loves nature. You know, <laughs> he, he would do great in some tiny town in Northern California, probably in the woods. <laughs> um, but I think the services we didn't realize how much of an impact his early intervention speech was making for him because when he did start speaking, some of the actual speech that he was learning in his early intervention that we did not think was helping came back when he was speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I think even if you don't see progress at the moment, it might be that it is laying a foundation for things to come in the future. So his growth over this last year, because of developmental preschool, because of being around peers, um, his peers, um, and now his full-time ABA services, it's made such a difference in his life and in ours, because we get parent sessions through his ABA, where they help us learn how they're teaching him, and then we can transition that at home. it's been mm-hmm. incredible.
0: Um, we also went the developmental preschool route and those years um, are my favorite years of our journey because he was so uh, loved and so nurtured and we just saw him explore and explode because he had peers that were typical, peers that were non-typical. and it was amazing to see all of this interaction happening so organically in this environment, but developmental preschool and early intervention um, made a huge um, improvement for Jackson. And
1: I think so for us, when we were at the beginning, beginning stages of getting him diagnosed, we were both leery and of him carrying a, a label. And it's something that we've learned That is pretty common, um, you know, because you don't want someone so young to be misdiagnosed or, you know, have um, the wrong professionals looking at them. But what we learned later is that the quicker that you can get services in place and the way to get services is to have a professional evaluate your child is the more services, the earlier, the faster you might see progress. And the faster you might mm-hmm. have that foundation being laid, um, for skills they'll learn later. So I wish, um, someone had kind of pressed us, not pressed us, but, you know, who had been through the process, um, talk to us about that because we, we, we had people telling us that we needed to get him evaluated, but it wasn't coming across the way that I think it should have. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So I guess my next question, which may be what you just said, but um, what is your advice for parents who have just received a diagnosis? They were just handed the pamphlets in the office um, and sent on their way.
1: So the thing that I would say helped us the most and helped me personally the most is talking to other special needs parents, for sure. Um, You know, we met through a support group, Finding Cooper's Voice. Um, and coop's troops and I, it wasn't until I started talking to other people who could relate to what I was going through that I was able to find my self again um, out of the emotions of everything because you need people who understand what to say to you, who have been through it, and also who can say, you know, it can get better. and if it's not, okay right now that's okay too it's okay to be sad it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel frustration it's okay to you know have grief and I think that helped us the most um was reaching out to people in this world um special needs community and also I would say you know this is hard and um I learned over time that it's just a little piece of my son Um, and there's so many beautiful things that come out of an autism diagnosis. Um, He -hmm. is a spectacular little guy and he looks at the world in a way that I can't even explain how beautiful and close it is so we're lucky for that. It's not all um, services and, and um, learning skills. And it's also watching the magic as it happens. You, um, you did an
0: interview on your page a few weeks ago. I'm going to try to get through this without mm. crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and your guest um, is on the spectrum herself. And she um, explained the joy um, that her nervous system and stims can give her and it made me look at my son in a way that i never have and it changed oh. my life um, just just her explaining um that because i see now how he sees trains and why he wants to see them and how that must feel in a way that i never understood before to me i thought he just loved them It's so much more than that because he feels it and he takes it all in, in a way that we will never understand or appreciate. But her perspective helped
1: me to see that. And I will never forget that. That's incredible. Margie Cates. She's amazing. Yes. Yes. um, That interview was just incredible. And it helped me understand my son um, more clearly too. Like, you know, to give him space, not to rush what he's taking into a system you know give him space to feel the things that he needs to feel and uh I loved that interview (laughs) too it's so beautiful
0: yeah she um she is so brave to share her story and it it was um it was just amazing um that she was able to talk so freely about um the diagnosis and what that means for her and Mm -hmm. she's amazing she's amazing she'd love to hear that well I am I am her number one fangirl so I'll send her the the podcast so Tabitha where can um listeners find you um on Facebook and your blog and on Instagram because I think that you have so much to teach us and that um such no, no, thank you, get. you so
1: much. You too. I'm so happy to have met you, by the way. <laughs> so I am on... You can find me on my blog, com, And then on Facebook and Instagram, it is just pieceofautism. Um, and that's where we do our interviews of lovely people on Wednesday nights. We call it Wednesday Night Insight. And um, everyone can go check out what we've done so far, so... Even oh, your my, husband makes it. Yeah, guest I convinced appearance. him to do one last week, which was such a lo- amazing interview. Um, helped me to understand him so much. So, I was grateful that he <laughs> he said I convinced him into or signed him up without asking. So,
0: <laughs> it was it was either an interview or yeah, another giveaway. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Tabitha. It was lovely to talk to you. And, um, I admire you so much for what you do and for sharing your story so bravely and the people that you bring to us well, are thank just amazing
1: you so much, Amanda, and for having me today. I'm so excited to be on your,
0: thank you. It was wonderful. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And I will put in the description where you can find Tabitha so that you can follow her journey. Um, in the meantime, thank you.